Books can take us around the world. They can take us to the intimate spaces of human experiences, and they can help us grow through their words. Stay tuned for People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. Hi, I'm Janice Leibovitz. You are my People of the Book. Another week gone, and we are back to some type of normal. All of our holidays are over, and back to a normal Shabbat and not preparing for two days of a Chag. I am really thrilled to introduce you to my guest this morning. And my guest is Vivian de Klerk. You'll have to excuse my pronunciation. My Afrikaans pronunciation is shocking. Vivian de Klerk, de Klerk um, who, who has written the most fantastic book called Not to Mention. Vivian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Janice, and your, your pronunciation is beautiful. The <laughs> thank you, thank you. And I'm very aware of that because, Vivian, you are, in fact, well, you've retired, but yes. you were for many years a linguistics professor at Rhodes University. <laughs> so yes, I'm, I'm quite um, conscious of, of my pronunciation. <laughs> no, relax. Those days are over. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so, so you, yes, you were a linguistics professor, and um, for many years you, you did teaching, you did research, and for seven years you were also the dean of students there. So um, lots of years to collect a, a lot of material, a lot of research, um, a lot of gathering of, um, and a lot of, I'm sure, observation of, of students, of people, and obviously being an academic, you you've had many articles published and spent many years having to read prescribed material. Did you mm. feel stifled in that environment and did you always want to write fiction or was that always um, in the later years of your career? Um, I, yes, it came later on and initially I was extremely engaged in my career, delighting in um, what one can do in the area of linguistics, which is a living part of the language and closely related to, to the human beings who use language. And, but I must admit, I, I became um, restless after uh, about 25 years of, of doing everything I'd aimed to do. So I took on the change of being the Dean of Students. Um, and that was enormously uh, exciting, challenging, and, and yet towards the the point when I retired, universities became a, a difficult place to work in, you know, an anxious place, the pressure for change and transformation, being the dean of students, took its toll on me um, and on my health. And I thought, really, I, this, is not, this is not the me I hope to be. And I decided to take early retirement at 60. And... So I thought, well, why not? Why not try my hand at, at fiction and writing? And I started straight away. I'm, I, I do get down and do the things. Like I'm an energetic person. So there I went on this uh, new new career of writing fiction, and it's been a very pleasant change from the very uh, tight and defined way of writing when you're doing an academic article. And which after, after this break, we are going to chat about 
this book that you have written that has started off your career writing fiction. We're going to be talking about your book, not to mention, but we're going to take a break first. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. And I am back with my guest, Vivian de Klerk, and we are talking about her book, Not to Mention, and I'm just going to briefly read the back of the book so that you know what we're talking about and what the book is about. As her 21st birthday approaches, Katie Ferreira has not left her bedroom for close on two years. In fact, she has not left her bed. At 360 kilograms, she simply can't. Vivian, mm. I'm not going to read further because we're going to chat about Katie and her situation and how she oh. came to be stuck in her bed at 360 kilograms and approaching her 21st birthday. And yes. that, that is the underlying theme of the book. It's about obesity. It's about bullying. It's about shame. It's about her relationship with her mother, who is her only caregiver, her only family member who she sees. And how did you come to write about this? Why did you choose this theme to write about? It's difficult to answer that question straightforwardly. Um, It's a topic that has increasingly fascinated me as I I see the, the eating disorders growing increasingly urgent in the world that we live in. Um, I, you know, in my past life, as a teenager, I, I must say I, I was a, a little overweight. Um, I became deeply aware and ashamed of my own body image during those sensitive years. Um, I, and I decided that then that I was was going to keep the fat person inside me. I was going to be a thin person. It hasn't been easy. But I've always w- observed um, people who, who, who have lost the battle or are losing the battle, and I thought to myself, there's a, there's a story in there. There's a character in there. And I, uh, I did a lot of research on the topic, um, both by watching TV uh, programs. There are documentaries, American and BBC, of extremely obese people. I did a bit of reading. There are some very good novels on the topic, and I, I read it up. I read up about it and uh, used that, used some of that information to, to create a, a character who, for whom I feel a great deal of compassion. Katie Ferreira, a little girl, uh, a little girl who's treated often for the wrong reasons with the wrong foods who who slowly becomes addicted to all of the wrong foods and slowly is drawn into the cycle of eating and hating herself and being the target of scorn and ridicule because society is not kind to people who don't look what they say is the right way. Um, so yes, I think that I hope that answers your question. Yes, yes, it does. And you show, you display quite um, aptly in the book how her mother is her enabler, in fact, um, yes. and who who becomes she she actually feeds this addiction, and and who actually creates the addict in Katie. And you showed 
the cycle of how she created the addict and you you showed the things that happened in her life the way mm. she was treated particular incidents that that happened and and you 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 described her daily life you know that she would go to school and then she would go home past Mr Patel's shop and this is what she would buy and you describe it all quite clearly how she becomes addicted based well to food but also to to sugar actually and mm-hmm. we see how that addict becomes created and how her addiction to food grows and and why her addiction to food grows as well and you show that very clearly, which obviously comes from the research as well. And it's, it's all it's psychologically based. It's, it's physiological, mm-hmm. psychological. It's, it's a whole lot of things. It's not just any one particular thing you can point your finger at. And, yeah. and it's, it's not just like, oh, here she is. She's sitting in her bed. You show everything that led up to that. And I think right. people don't look at, the person and what created that person. They just look at the person and they see what's on the outside. And as you say, there's a person inside. Yes, a, a delightful uh, character with us whose voice grows stronger and stronger as she writes what is effectively a diary to pass the time away as she waits and hopes to lose enough weight to go back into her normal life. But she withdrew from that normal life in collusion with her mother, her enabler, uh, because, well, her favorite teacher was leaving from school, the librarian who, who gave her some protection, but also because she couldn't take the, the jeering and the t- taunts. And I got a lot of those words and those um, very... Um, Hurtful terms from my from my research in linguistics, from looking at um, slang and expletives and why people use such words and how they use them quietly and in small groups and what what great hurt it, it causes. So Katie's writing this account to her mother um, when she she thinks a lot and then she thinks right I'll make an entry here and, and what she's trying to do is to explain to her mother, how it's felt slowly to um, become um, constricted to the house and in the bedroom and in the bed, what it's been like to uh, be the little girl that's turned into this monstrous woman who's trapped in her bedroom. Mm. And as we all know, I mean, children are very cruel and they think that's quite funny. But her mother never seemed to know. She never seemed to react. I mean, her only reaction was, oh, well, you can stay at home. And, you know, that was eventually her reaction. And, you know, you don't really – I mean, obviously Katie's writing from her perspective, and I'm going to get to that a bit later. Um, But her mother seems to live quite separately 
from what's happening yes. in Katie's life when Katie, cause, cause when that happened, Katie was still a very little girl. She was still quite young. She was quite small. And we're going to take yes. a break now, but I'm going to get more into, um, the, her mother and Katie and their relationship. Let's take a break and we will have more time to delve into that relationship afterwards. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I am back with my guest, Vivian de Klerk, and we are chatting about her book, which is called Not to Mention. It is a book about Katie Ferreira, who is approaching her 21st birthday, who weighs 360 kilograms, and who is confined to her bed in her bedroom and who has not left her bed for the past two years. So, Vivian, we were chatting about the fact that Katie's confined to her bed. She's writing. She spends her time writing in her Croxley exercise books, which are left over from when she was able to attend school when she was much younger. And she has these empty exercise books. She has four books, basically, Mm. four books. And she's filling these books with her thoughts and her feelings and she's actually also creating a cryptic crossword puzzle because she spends her time also reading the Herald newspaper. This, by the way, um, if you're listening and you're interested to know, this is taking place in the very early 80s. Mm. So she relies on her mother bringing her the Herald newspaper. Her mother works in a shop, in a, a grocery store, a general store, and her mother brings her the Herald newspaper, and Katie's able to spend her time doing the crossword puzzle, which she really enjoys. She's actually, when she attended school, she was an A student. She's a very bright girl, and she enjoys doing the crossword puzzle. So she decides that she's going to create her own crossword puzzle to try and cryptically explain to her mother how she feels about this situation that her mother has placed her in. And through these cryptic clues, she actually explains all her feelings, her emotions. She gets it all out via these clues. And it's it's actually quite brilliant, Vivian. And let's be honest, Katie hasn't created it. You have. So it's 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 really it's it's extremely clever. But from what I was saying earlier about Katie and her relationship with her mother, what we're reading in the book, what we read in the book, what the reader gets is Katie's story and her perspective. But her mother, I mean, and excuse the pun that I'm about to use, plays a huge role Mm. in everything that we're reading about. But we don't hear a word from her mother. We don't, her mother doesn't play a role. We don't get a chapter from the mother. We don't hear from the mother. Nothing. We only hear and see what the mother is doing and saying via Katie. We don't hear it first person from her mother. We never get her mother's own perspective. And it's left up to us to decide how skewed is Katie's vision of her mother? Yeah. Yes. Katie, you, you, you had, Katie's speculating herself about 
the past and what her mother might, she thinks, what her mother has done to her. But the reader has to try and decide to what extent that is credible, uh, given Katie's current state, physical, physically and emotionally. The thing is, the mother, the silence on the part of the mother is all about not to mention. That's the, the point. Uh, the things that her mother didn't talk about. Um, we have occasional glimpses into very abrupt conversations Katie has with her mother because she would love to communicate. She She's silenced in her room. Um, but that relationship between the mother and daughter is fraught. And so is the mother's relationship with her own mother, you begin to realize. There's a history of mother-daughter relationships. Um, there's more to it than meets the eye. And the crossword, uh, uh, I love that word, crossword, uh, yes. enables Katie to <laughs> eventually say some very cross words to her mother um, as as she writes and becomes more um, articulate and more and more resentful about the past. And there's also a very interesting device that you use in Mm -hmm. that as Katie is writing and she might say something that she thinks might be a bit too angry or she doesn't want to offend her mother because remember Mm -hmm. her mother is her only caregiver. It's the only person who she has contact with and her mother is also quite manipulative and might forget to leave some of her favorite food for her or might forget to change one of the, one of the the bags in her that she needs to to change medically or something. Mm. She, she crosses it out. So there's that, that, that interesting device that you use using that, that crossing and that cross word. Again. Yes. yes. And she crosses out all the things she thinks might be offensive. And then yes. there comes a, there comes a point when she says, no, no, no more crossing out. Now, um, I'm going to say things as I see them. And, um, and, and of course, even though it's crossed out, we, the reader, can read you what can read, being crossed read out. Through the, between the lines. Yes. yes absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes, that was a little device I found quite handy, and uh, uh, especially as it's this, the the publishers, Pan Macmillan, have honoured my my sense of this being a handwritten diary uh, with some te- mistakes that she makes occasionally. Her crossword itself is deliberately also not perfect, um, and she comments on that. There's some clumsy clues. Um, there's one that just pops up without her having to write a clue for it. And that's all part of Katie and her, her full understanding of herself and that she is not perfect either. And uh, she's done the best she can with, with her life. And obviously with Katie being as obese as she is and the interesting thing again with the relationship with her mother is her mother goes to work every morning and leaves food for her. She yes. has to leave the food for her next to her bed. Obviously, she can't get up. She can't go to the kitchen to help herself. Mm. 
Um, so she leaves, um, I mean, you, you list the food in, in great detail. You know, there, mm. there are pies, there's loaves of bread, there's bottles of Coke, there's... The one thing that stood out for me was that the mother herself doesn't prepare any food for Katie. She doesn't cook for her. She doesn't, um, there's no, there's no love and care and there's no, there's no TLC there like there is when someone actually cooks for someone they love. It's all, um, you know, it's all processed. It's all, and she, I think she may even Mm. mentions that it's stuff that possibly, um, was, close to sell-by date from the shop where her mother works. She brings it home for her or or past sell-by date. And that's Mm. the food that she is living on. Right. In the meantime, she can hear her mother in the kitchen making herself some lovely buttered toast or whatever it is. Uh, She can smell the smells. And she writes about the senses that, that she the memories she has of, of, of eating, of being in the kitchen, uh, of being outside. Uh, but all she has to draw on is the smells that come through her window and from the house, the sounds she can hear, especially the birds uh, outside. She gets a lot of joy out of what she can see through her very small window, um, which is, of course, blocks of glass like the crossword grid and she's in she counts all the parquet tiles on her floor the wooden blocks and she knows exactly how many of them there are and she looks at her cupboard and she remembers the clothes that she last wore which are all hung up there along with her old tennis racket that she stopped using when she was eight years old and tackies and things shoes that she can't wear and she sees the seasons change through the tree that she can glimpse outside of her window as they drop their leaves and then bring spring comes. And so she, she, got, she marks the progress of time. She listens to the neighbor's music next door when he plays his radio and the woman walking down the street singing and she remembers the maid that used to look after her, that used to love her and care for her. She she has memories of that. So she builds in her diary of all the things she could remember while her mother just comes in to change her, her to wipe her down and to feed her. I mean, I'm t- I, you know, we, we chatted earlier and I said to you, this book is heartbreaking, and I mean, you're breaking my heart all over again, <laughs> describing mm-hmm. how she sits there and spends her time and watches the passing of time. And it's it's just, I found it heart-wrenching. And your description mm-hmm. just now, I mean, it's 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 heart-wrenching all over again. It it mm-hmm. is. It's it's sad. It's just sad. And the way that you write it in the book is. It's beautiful. It's emotive writing. Your use of alliteration is just outstanding. But what does one expect from a linguistics professor? And it's Katie Ferreira. <laughs> no, no, it's Vivian Declare. Um, and it's it's just 
I mean, as you say, she watches the passing of time through her window. And like you say, she knows when she, she can judge from hearing the traffic on mm. the road. She can judge. I mean, she describes the rain. She describes mm. the smell of rain. She describes the trees, the birds. She just describes everything because that, that is her life. Her life has, has just shrunk to this room and what she can see from that window. And, yes. and while she has grown, her life and the vision of that life has shrunk. That's the comparison yeah. I can make. Yeah. It is a tragic tale. I agree with you. Um, I've, I've tried to balance it with these, these rather lyrical descriptions that of, of what she's appreciating and the memories that that she has. She also loves the articles in the Herald. She draws a lot from what's going on in the world outside and she brings it into her diary. She, um, I incidentally went and read, uh, the Heralds that are kept in the Cory yes, Library. Yes, I was going, I was going to mention your research, um, okay. reading the Herald because you had access to, um, to all of, through, through the library at Rhodes. Yeah. And I did just, I picked up on, on headlines that were of the time. And I've sprinkled them through Katie's uh, writing. Some of them are, are, are awful, the, the headlines. The things that were happening then were terrible, just as there are still terrible things happening in the world today. And, and so Katie <coughs> picks on a few of them and elaborates a bit on comments on why, why people would be doing that, you know, why parents might kill a child or, or bury their Mother and then dig her up to get her diamond rings off her fingers. You know, they're bizarre yeah. things that are happening in the world out there that that keep her going. Um, so she has a sense of humour. She has a wry um, appreciation of the funny things in life, and uh, so I've tried, I hope, to balance that. And of course, I must add, Katie, where would she get all this knowledge from? Um, she had to be that A student. She was nurtured by the librarian at the school who saw that she was just a little girl who was lonely and, and disparaged. The librarian taught her how to do the crosswords and, and when she had a clean out of the library, she gave Katie a couple of really useful books, um, Stedman's in, um, Encyclopedia, for example, which gives all the information about health that Katie needs. Yes. And she has a set of encyclopedias. Her father, was a bird fanatic, so she has Robert's Book of Bird, and she had time, years, before she was bedbound to read through these encyclopedias, to remember all of the facts and figures that, that give a bit of, um, substance to her meanderings as she writes her diary. So I, I had to make Katie Quite intelligent and with access to quite a lot of factual uh, material. And I, I used that trick of the Herald, yesterday's Herald, to draw on quite a lot. And I found that, I found what, what, what I found really interesting. I mean, obviously, you know, there's, there's all her, her references to food. Yes. Um, and, you know, she was planning, you know, to, she'd love to eat in a restaurant. Oh, she'd love to. She'd love yes. to eat in a restaurant and the description of what she would order. Mm. Yes, she just uh, 
the, she, she, of course, reads the food page in the Herald. So she's, yes. She knows these marvelous things that could be ordered. Um, and she creates this vision of a gigantic meal that she'll ha- order and she'll eat it all. And then the desserts, oh, three of them. And she goes on a, an imaginary splurge. Um, and it's a, I think it's quite a delightful chapter in her, um, Diary, but I had to cut a lot of foodie passages. I, I enjoyed writing them all, and then I realized there was too much food. I couldn't <laughs> go on about it. <laughs> it became, it's her, it's her obsession, of course, and an obsessed person would have thought a lot about food, but the reader is also there, and you can't have a bored reader. <laughs> so I wrote them, and then I cut them out. It was hard. But then... By the same token, she also writes about the methods that she had tried um, yes. to yes. lose weight and to not think about food. And, I mean, that must have been interesting research as well. I mean, there's some really ridiculous methods here. I mean, apart from the the usual ones about weight loss tablets and, and exercise and things like that, I yes. mean, things like... Um, Blue is an appetite suppressant. Yes. Stare at the color blue. Um, avoid red, yellow, and orange in a dining area. Um, mm. And and you know she she was like, well, she'll eat her cereal from a blue bowl. <laughs> yes. You know, and yes. um, so she she puts her her wheat bix in a blue bowl, but it's not working. So she just adds more and more wheat bix to the bowl. <laughs> it's just not working for her. This this looking at the blue bowl. Um, you know, things like that. I mean, they're, they're the research on that. I mean, some of them are really far out. Uh, yes, but all of them uh, are, are out there for people to try. And she tries the exercises, but my goodness, you know, she finds that hard. She eats lemons and lemon juice, but then she adds sugar because she can't bear the taste of it. So she has her weaknesses. She prays a lot. Um, Right in the beginning, because she believes that maybe there will be her, her redemption, Some, something will happen. She confesses to the priest all of her indulgences um, and the way she stole a little bit of money so that she had more to spend at the tuck shop and at Mr. Patel's. And she waits for some moment where things come right, um, but they, it doesn't come right. So yes. Uh, she tries these things. Some things she can't, but she writes about them anyway, like stomach reduction, um, surgical techniques um, that she's read about. They wouldn't have been. They wouldn't have been many of them in the 1980s. So I had to restrict myself to that time period. Yes. Um, but I tried to. I did restrict myself to what was available then, but not much for Katie, unfortunately. Um, and then she, she, of course, has breathing problems um, because of her huge weight. Uh, she suffers from sleep apnea, so she. I was just sleep. going to say, and I was just going to say, she doesn't sleep either. No, and so she has these tangled dreams. Um, I don't write about many of the dreams, but the the CPAP machine, which she gets from a doctor, yes. a constant air pump, which which she hopes will help her to breathe. So that she can sleep through the night. But it won't, uh, the mask won't stay on her face. It slips off and, you know, she's tangled up in the straps and her mother is very angry with her for not, 
uh, per- persisting with this machine, but it's in the cupboard there. Another one of her failures. She, it didn't work. And so she has longer than usual hours to spend because she can't sleep. Because when she sleeps, um, her air passages close and then she yeah. wakes in a panic. And of course that's another sub theme relating to what might have happened to her father so many years before. Yes. Yes, we're going to take a break right now and we're going to get back to all these themes and sub-themes and, and all of these health issues that I don't think people would actually think about when they look at the outside of a person who is the size. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Leibovitz. I'm back with my guest, Vivian de Klerk, and we are discussing her book, Not to Mention, which is about Katie Ferreira, who is stuck in her bed, in her bedroom for the past two years, because she weighs over 360 kilos. And um, Vivian, before the break, we chatted about all the health conditions that are associated with with such um, obesity that people don't often consider. They just look at the outside shell of the person and they think, oh, the person is large, but yes. um, don't consider all these issues. And one of the big issues that, that um, is mentioned in the book is her mother's persistent refusal to not find out about insulin, insulin. Um, yes. about yes. the insulin for Katie, which she so desperately needs. Mm-hmm. And obviously diabetes is, is a big um, issue for her. Yes, that she's suffering from from severe diabetes by the time she starts her writing. And there's this evasiveness on the part of her mother who who seems to be trying to get the insulin but duck, ducks and dives whenever Katie actually asks. And Katie dare not push her too hard in case the um, food stops coming or the Clean, cleaning um, of her body um, is withheld, uh, and she has some some rather unpleasant medical encounters. Katie does in her life because she talks of how the doctor also doesn't see her as a person. Uh, talks rather to her mother next to her about Katie when Katie is right there, and how the district sister who comes once to check on her. Also is very dismissive and Katie feels so isolated and she suffers from depression, which is another of the, um, the consequences of diabetes. And her, her teeth are in a terrible state because of all the sugar she's been eating. So these are also talked about, um, and there's hope always in Katie that, that that'll be all right. Um, her mother said she, she shouldn't bother about false teeth because, after all, who sees her anyway? Yeah. But, uh, you know, so that's the kind of um, way in which Katie's trapped. She doesn't she doesn't smile in public before she withdraws to the house because she's lost a lot of her teeth um, through bad like oral hygiene, um, bad mothering, really. And uh, so she's kind of party to her own imprisonment but then she's really stuck when when she gets onto her bed but as we've said um all along throughout this all 
Katie remains optimistic. There's always the sense of hope. And she talks about it all the way through. She talks about when she's lost weight, when she loses weight, when she is more normal, when she's able to go out. And she talks about this all the time. She remains forever hopeful. There's that underlying hope and optimism that stays with her while she's gorging herself on on everything she can get her hands on and everything that her mother leaves for her. There's, there's always that even when she has stopped trying to lose the weight, when she knows that she stopped trying, mm. there's that underlying hope and there's, there's always that, that underlying hope, which I found quite interesting. Even when she had stopped attempting to lose weight. Yes. But there is that uh, determination in her spirited voice. It comes also through her anger at, at where she finds herself um, that enables her to dream of maybe having a, a relationship with someone one day, uh, having someone kiss her one day. Um, anybody, she thinks she's a dirty old choir boy, you know, with his unkempt knees. Maybe she, you know, maybe even him. But she might, she might have some kind of a life. Um, with the food that she chooses and redemption really and I, I, I think uh, as I wrote the book I, I wanted the reader to be rooting for Katie to be you know hoping with her that the insulin will come and that she will she will get better and her life will change from this imprisonment that she's currently undergoing I think it's her, I think it's her, her constant claim and her constant wish that she is worthy and she is mm. a person inside and she wants to be seen for who she is, not what she is, not just what you see on the outside. She mm. wants to be acknowledged for yes. the person she is and she's actually, she's bright, she's clever, she has so much to share. And she wants acknowledgement for that, for her worth. She does. She, she, she and she has a voice. It's an important voice. Um, and I wanted her voice to be heard. There's a section in the book which I find quite moving myself as I, I wrote it, where Katie um, talks to herself in her room. She says, "Hello, Katie," and then she answers herself, and she listens to her her small voice. Uh, in her room, and she sings her old school hymn, which of course happens to be the hymn that, that I sang at school. <laughs> she sings it, um, and she, she she's pretty sure no one will hear her uh, outside. No one can hear her even if she shouted, but her voice comes through in what she's writing. It's in her diary that she gets to say things and hopes that that what she's written will be read someday. I think she she just hopes for some sort of rescue, whether she mm. rescues herself or rescue from some external force. I don't know what kind of external force, but some mm. kind of rescue or some kind of of um, hope for something to come to her from somewhere. And mm. 
and she deserves it. But everyone deserves recognition. Everybody wants recognition. And she's no different. Right, right. Um, one of the things that come up in the Herald that she's reading at the time is detention without trial because it's happening in the country at the time. There's curfews. There's crackdowns. It's the time of Steve Biko. Um, and she's also undergone this detention without trial. Uh, nobody's heard her perspective on, on life and everything's secret and not mentioned. Um, and yes, she d- deserves to be heard. And obviously, as I wrote the book, I, I think that the story deserves to be heard. The, the deep personal suffering that um, morbidly obese people must be undergoing. <clears throat> yes, absolutely. After the break, we'll come back with a wrap-up. There is something else I still want to mention about the end of the book. Um, it's not really a spoiler, but I do want to chat about that. But we'll come back with that and a wrap-up after this break. I love it when you read to me. This is People of the Book with Janice Liebowitz. I am back chatting to Vivian de Klerk about her book, Not to Mention. And we are going to need to wrap up shortly. These hours really do um, finish off quite quickly, don't they? Um, they do. <laughs> so before the show, we were chatting. And at the end of your book, I found it a very clever conduit to convey a sense of realism. There are newspaper clippings that have been included. Um, obviously, fictionalized newspaper clippings, I, I found it, it adds a real sense of, of um, it, it makes you feel that I went back and kind of thought, hang on a second, did I just read a novel? Was it fiction? Um, what did I just read? And I, I found that a, a, it lends an amazing sense of reality to this fictionalized account that you've created. But what I wanted to know was, did you intend to to make a social commentary with those clippings? Because society and community do definitely have a role to play here. And when you included these clippings that are, and I'm not going to say what they're about. Mm. um, I mean, obviously, Katie was extremely unfairly treated, and we've mentioned that um, members of the medical profession did not treat her fairly at all. They were not nice to her. But a society, community, her, her school, and she wasn't treated nicely. And this was before she she became um, as obese as she was and unable to, to move from her bedroom. But were you intending to make this, this social commentary? I mean, obviously there is... That, that intention, that underlying intention throughout the book. But was that the intention by including these clippings at the end? It was. Um, that's, the clippings are no longer Katie's voice. Um, so clearly they are the authorial voice in mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it's a commentary on how society, uh, when, when children disappear out of sight, um, People should follow up and ask and uh, wonder. And, and, you know, there are social services. The school could have um, various people remember Katie, um, but 
one does, yeah, I use those clippings in order to point fingers at society, negligent medical. Uh, perhaps I'm a little harsh on medical people in this book. Uh, I, I, it was, it just happened. It's not deliberate. <laughs> I think there are more medical people in the world. <laughs> but, uh, yes, uh, those are obviously, um, some of my, some of it is my social commentary. Yes, indeed. Because I found that it's very haunting. Mm. And also, I mean, with the use of the crossword throughout, I mean, I, I just, the, the, I found that brilliant. And some of those clues, look, they didn't make much sense to me, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> um, they, they are, I mean, it is a cryptic crossword and I've never been able to understand cryptic crosswords. I mean, crosswords themselves, mm-hmm. okay, I can do those sometimes, mm-hmm. but cryptic crosswords themselves are. And, and the inclusion of the actual full crossword is, is, is quite clever. It's when you see the whole thing in its entirety, it's like, mm-hmm. wow, it's real. Yeah, it's <laughs> very it's clever. As you go. Of course, the word cryptic is all about secrecy. And yes. it's, it's, it's the double meanings. It's the, um, the things that can be read one way, but also should be read, read another way. And everything fits together at the end. Everything is logical. And at the end, everything ties up. And that's what Katie wanted the reader, her mother, hopefully, to understand. The clues, of course, all relate to food or or some kind of suffering, or, or they all relate deeply to Katie's experience. Um, so the themes in the clues as well. I had such fun making up that crossword. And also for the reader, I mean, throughout the book, there's 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 a build up of suspense, and there is a bit of a sense of mystery, and and it does all come together at the end of the book. It is yeah. a fabulous book. Like I said, it's beautifully written. But absolutely heart-wrenching. I found it heartbreaking. It's not a book that you can read from start to finish in one go. I had to put it down from time to time. It was, it's extremely moving. It's a very emotive book. Vivian, I think this is, it's a fine, fine work here. It's a fine piece. Well done. Thank um, you. I think it's, 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 it's very needed. I think it's something that people need to read and take to heart. Uh, and maybe. You. Maybe think twice before um, considering their words and their thoughts. Yes, indeed. I hope so. And so, you don't thank, have, you don't have sorry. to cross in order to read the book. I yes, you can yes, ignore. You, don't. you can, yeah. You don't have to do the crosswords. You don't have to do crosswords to be able to read the book. Um, okay. but, but read the book. It's not to mention by Vivian de Klerk. It's published by Pan Macmillan, South Africa. And highly, highly recommended. Vivian, thank you so much. You've been a fabulous guest. Thank you for giving your time. Thank so you, appreciate it. Right. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you. And if you're listening, have a great week. Enjoy your reading. Remember to wear your mask. Look after each other. Shabbat shalom.